Welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap. A uh, bit of a departure here from talking about contact centres because I've been lucky enough to get on someone who, by his own admission, is already a LinkedIn legend and is well on the way to national treasure status, probably only bumped off the top spot by the um, royal baby that was born. Um, so, Nick McEwen, hello, how you doing? Hello, sir. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I was—I forgot the name of the royal baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it either, to be fair. That's that well, straight away. We're already Archie. dipping Archie into Archie. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so, the—I um, think you've become known to many. Um, and the first thing I really wanted to talk to you about was your your recent exploits, where I guess like most of your followers i was waiting for for daily updates but can you just let everyone know for those that didn't see it the uh what you've just recently completed for charity yes so i am um, <laughs> i walked really slowly and walked <laughs> across the Portsmouth to edinburgh and and what charity was that for it's for shelter the homelessness charity homelessness and homelessness prevention i should say so just in terms of practicalities, how many miles is that? How long did it take you? Well, it was supposed to take three weeks, <laughs> and it was supposed to be 487 miles, but it turned into six weeks and 723 miles. It, did you get lost? What, what happened? <laughs> so basically what I did was zigzagged across the country, meeting people, people that had shown a real interest, um, LinkedIn connections and and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, there was obviously a lot of rest days because of injuries and various bits and bobs. And logistically, it was it was a nightmare. But yeah, no, I, I zigzagged rather than taking the direct route is the best way to say it. And what? How did this? Where did you get the the idea for for doing this? What can you talk through? What happened there? Yeah. So um, the, the the premise of the of the walk the walk's called the long way back. Now I a few years ago went through some some troubling times, and like everybody does in life, and um, I did a bit of charity work anyway. But I wanted to do more stuff, so I started doing bits and bobs locally, and then I wasn't quite getting the quite getting the support that I wanted. So I thought that I was going to have to do something big, and. Um, had some friends in Edinburgh and obviously lived in Portsmouth. So thought that it would be a good, it, it, I mean, it sounds, it sounds a long way Portsmouth to Edinburgh. So <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is a long way, but I thought if people see that as a tagline, then, then they'll be interested more. But what I did find annoyingly when I was on the walk, because a lot of people don't know where Portsmouth is. <laughs> You're kidding. No, so um, they're like, where's that near London? I was like, oh, here we go. But, um, yeah, so that was that was the idea behind it, and I I thought that it was a, I mean it was a big challenge for me personally as well. Like I, I didn't know if I could complete something like that, so it was sort of all risk at the time. But and then I put it on hold. I was supposed to do it in August last year, but um, I met a girl in Belfast and sort of lived there for a while. And logistically, I had some sponsors lined up, and and it all basically it all just went tits up. Can I say tits up? You yeah yeah go for it. <laughs> it went tits up, and um, so I postponed it, and then came back from Belfast, 
uh, just before Christmas last year, a bit before Christmas last year, and then started planning again. So, but this time I didn't want to, because I'd made it public last time and obviously then it didn't happen. So I sort of planned it quietly with a few people and then just announced it on the day that I left, basically. And what was that? What was like a, what would be a normal um, day? Um, so to be honest, no two were the same. Um, they were <laughs> by the walking. No, no two, no two were actually the same. So normally it would involve like the first bit of it. I spent a few nights in, I was camping out sort of like wild camping. Now mm. the camping wasn't part of it. I just thought it would be a, it would, I didn't mind camping before. Um, and it sort of gave me not a, it's not an insight into homelessness, but it was kind of like, mm. it was as close to it as I could get while still keeping myself healthy for the walk. Mm. So for the first bit, I was I was doing that, and then it then it became to be honest, then it became going to like stopping. So what I do at the end of every day when I when my body was given out, and what I start what I did at the start was walk too far every day. So and what's what's too far? So so basically, the first bit was anywhere between sort of twenty and twenty five miles, and then I realised that I had to slow down because I, to be honest, once you get to the nineteen twenty mile sort of mark all you're doing is doing damage that slows you down the next day. Mm. So you're not actually making progress that you think you are. So what I would do is when, when I started to listen to my body and when, when my body was given out every day, I'd just sort of go on an app and find the nearest hotel and sort of go there. And then there's usually a couple of miles walk to the hotel, go there, basically have a bath, sort of post about the day, connect, like sort of talk to my family, talk to the LinkedIn connections, et cetera. And then, try and get some sleep and then wake up in the morning and go again. <laughs> I think the thing is with something like this is the numbers, people, you kind of blitz past the numbers without just taking a moment to go, how many miles? Like 700, but doing consistently yes. tw- what, 20 miles every time you, every time you weren't having a rest day, but doing 20 miles yeah. for six weeks on the trot. Yeah. That's just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, there was. Don't get me wrong. There was days when there was days when I could only. There was one day when I had particularly bad. My, like my legs were in a particularly bad way. And my feet. I, I think I only managed four miles. But it was kind of like it. It's just about resilience, really. It's. I know that it sounds. Look, I'm not one of these inspirational motivation guys. I'm genuinely not to try and talk it. I think I think everyone can agree with that. Seeing most of your yes. posts and comments, yes. But it was obviously some days was were worse than others, and like that day when I dragged myself out to walk the four miles, I'll be honest, I was I was in bits, like really? to stand up. Mm-hmm. But I I thought I need to push on because it's you're going to have days like this, and I suppose you can reflect it back to real life. Do you know what I mean? You're going to have days where. You feel like you can't do something, and don't get me wrong. There were so many times on this walk where I wanted to just say bollocks to this. Yeah, like I'm not doing this anymore. Like I, I was in absolute pieces, and I was. But inevitably, with everything in life, it's in your head. I mean, as long as as long as your legs aren't falling off, you can walk. Now, I wouldn't advocate to walk through injuries and stuff such as I did. Like I don't think there's anything smart in that. And looking back now. A lot of it was was crazy. Like I walked when I shouldn't have walked, but obviously you're on a time frame. 
it took longer than it was supposed to take anyway. So I had to push myself that extra bit. But yeah, I mean, like the numbers looking back now are, are staggering, but I didn't see that at the time mm. because every day was just the same. And I think, didn't I see recently that you'd posted um, on like medical advice now, they've said you can't do anything like that because of the damage you've done for what, yeah. another six months? So well, it's nine months now. But Is it? I, so, so basically what it was, the the I've always had pre-existing, like I get really acute shin splints. Mm. So you thought a good idea would be to walk from Portsmouth uh, yeah. to Edinburgh. Yeah, but I, so I, I've had problems with that previously, but I mean, it hadn't, I mean, I underestimated, I think, the, the what walking every day for that amount of time would do to your body. Mm. And your yeah. underwear. I've done a few. I've done a few endurance events and stuff, and and I coped okay. So it was like I didn't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. But so when basically what happened was I, the first time I had to go to hospital was in London, um because we I had the worst luck in the world with weather to start with. So it rained for every twenty four days of the walk. Every single day. Every single day for 24 days. I went through, I think it was five storms. <laughs> but what happened was when I got to London, um, I had a day where I was meeting a friend of mine uh, from LinkedIn called Tammy. And I basically what had happened was the night before, I'd forgot to charge my phone. So I, was, I woke up and I had like 4% battery. So I just sent her a message to say, look, I'm walking. I, just, I think I was 29 miles away or 30 miles away or something. And I was like, it was really early in the morning, but I, I had to meet her at eight o'clock at the train station. But I was like, I'm not going to have any way of letting her know. Mm. So we, we said eight o'clock. So I thought in my head, whatever happens, I've got to be there for eight o'clock now. So I walked that day and then I did the 29 miles, whatever it was, 30 miles maybe. But, there was a couple of roads where that because of the storms, they were underwater and there was bushes up both sides. So there's just no, there was no way around it. So I literally had to walk ankle deep in water whilst it was raining anyway to, to get there. So my feet were already a mess, but by the time I got to London that day, we went for dinner, went back to my hotel and then I looked at my feet. And so basically what happened was I put, I took my socks off and I, I didn't look and I put my feet on the floor and my the the skin on the bottom of my foot as a whole, the whole thing was moving independently from my foot. Oh God! So I was like, right, I don't know. I thought that like <laughs> I didn't know if part of my foot was unattached or I didn't know what was going on. So I basically I went to the hospital and they gave me some advice, obviously that I need to stop, and I obviously couldn't stop. So basically, what I did was spent four hours hair drying my feet literally with a hairdryer to kind of harden the skin back up. And this is in London as well. I get it mentally knowing straight away yeah. that so a doctor has said... 60 odd miles into it, but if you went as the crow flies, which I didn't. But yeah, this was there's not even one-fifth of the way. And did... But so that, that, was, that was the first time. And then that happened again. And then that happened again a few days later. So I did this, repeat the same thing, just went to hospital to make sure it was okay like i'm not losing part of my foot or something and then did the same thing with the hairdryer again it worked for a couple of days and then still raining this whole time and then i went um basically i did i can't remember where i was i was 
I think I was north of London. This was, yeah, so it was on the canal. So I joined the Grand Union Canal, which was lovely. And basically I walked for a day and I'd, I'd taken painkillers because I was just in a lot of pain. But I didn't feel any different to normal. But when I got to the hotel that night, I took off my socks. And you say, you know, you have like an arch on your foot. Mm. Like I didn't have an arch anymore on either foot. And I was like, that's really odd. So I like touched it and it was all squidgy and stuff. So I stupidly now looking back, I put a pin in both feet at the bottom <laughs> and it sort of sprayed out like a super soaker, oh, just blood and stuff like that. So I was like, great, great. Now they're infected. Now by this point as well, I've lost the skin on the bottom of most of my toes. So like literally just standing up was horrible. But then after a while, like <laughs> it sounds crazy, but you sort of just, the worst bit of every day was the morning. Mm. Just getting going. Mm. Like people always say that the end is the worst. It's not. The worst bit was just getting going in the morning. And just so that first hour was just agony. But then you couldn't stop. Because if you stopped, even at traffic lights, to wait to cross a road, getting going, like I'd have to hobble across the road if I stopped. Mm. So that, that was just horrible. But then the real problems happened between... I'd say between sort of, I went for sort of Warrington, Manchester, then over to Leeds and up to Newcastle through Harrogate. And one of the, the, the problems really started. And so basically when I was on the canal, the first sort of thing I'd noticed with my shins, like I took a step, which was slightly uphill and it felt like I'd been shot in the shin. Mm. I don't know what being shot feels like, but it was just instant agony and it made me vomit like on the spot. And I, but then that was it. There was there was no real no real after effects of that. It was just that one instance of pain. And I was I knew the pain from having shin splints before. So obviously if people don't know what shin splints are, it's just where your tenors and the bits around your shin bones just sort of disattach. And then your bone starts to flake a little bit, which is which is great. So when I got to Newcastle, I was in so much pain with it that I wanted to get x rayed because I felt like something was wrong. Yeah. So when I when I went there, so basically what the, the injury list at Newcastle was I had um so I had deep bruising to the tissue on the top of tops and bottoms of both feet. Obviously I had infections in all of the, in the bottom of all my toes, which I needed sort of antibody for. Now I had deep bone bruising to my heels, which was and still is one of the worst bits about it because obviously you don't appreciate how much you need your heels at the time. Um, but then I also had, like, I had a really badly inflamed Achilles tendon on the right-hand side. I had a pulled calf on the left-hand side. I had a pulled groin, randomly. <laughs> but the, I say the worst thing was machines, because I, I had them x-rayed at Newcastle. Now, at, when I was at Newcastle, I had, I think it was seven days of walking still to do, to get there. And when I was at Newcastle, like, the doctor we went through it and like basically my shins were so bad and I had to stop. And obviously, so like little bits of bone had flaked away as shin splints do. If you, if you carry on walking or running or whatever, when you've got them. So it was, it was getting quite precarious. And he said to me, basically, if you keep walking like this for another nine, 10 days, your legs are going to break. Wow. You don't have much strength left, but I knew that I had seven days still to walk. So it was a, that was, at that point, I was kind of like, look, can I finish this? Mm -hmm. You know, 
I was debating that in my head. But then on the same token, you look back and I thought about every day that I'd pushed myself beyond any resilience that I thought I had mm. to, to just to get to this point. Now, my brain instantly said, look, there's no way you're quitting that. You can do mm. it. Mm. And, and uh, yeah, and I did. But then the, the, the come down from that, the, the bad side of that is that now I have luckily, like I say, I wouldn't advocate this to anybody, but luckily not permanent damage. There's no, there's no, well, there's a, there's a bit of permanent damage to the shins, but I had that anyway. So, but yeah, nine months or so, and I should be fit to, um, fit to start again. I think, um, I think, uh, well, talking personally, I, I liked uh, just even hearing this now, um, I, it was just like this kind of, I have to see what Nick's up to today. It's, it's, it's really inspirational, but I think the main thing that I, I loved about it, um, and it's come across already, is just like it, how authentic you are, right? Because it wasn't like you were some Disney character. It, you could tell you didn't like doing this, right? No, I hated it. I mean, there's, there was a video I posted whilst I was on the Grand Union Canal, and it was like part of it, like it was a lovely walk to the Grand Union Canal if you're going for a walk with your family or whatever. Mm. Not when you're not when you've just walked everywhere else in the bastard country. So it was like I did. I was posting a video and I was recording a video, and I stepped in a giant puddle, <laughs> and all the water went into my shoe. And I think I said something. I think I said, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" And then I was like, "Do I re-record the video, or do I just do, do I just carry on?" So I thought, you know what? No, because people like. I mean, if you're going to ask people to give you their money, yeah. I think the least you could do is show them what you're doing. And, and like half of it was kind of like people were saying, oh, you're not posting enough. You're not posting your link up and stuff like that. But it was like I had a, a woman message me saying, let me know when you get to Darlington when I was in Portsmouth. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how far I'm going to walk every day. Mm. So I can't, you, you could only arrange things sort of a day in advance or, maybe a couple of days in advance, you know, there was no, it was, I just wanted to keep it. So people understood what, what I was dealing with, what I was, what I was going through with it. And don't get me wrong. Like I, until the day I die, I will be forever overwhelmed and indebted to people for their support and their just genuine kindness while I was on the walk. Like people rearrange their whole days to come and see me or to put me up or, you know, let me just, just things that you would, you, people that you've never met. Mm. Like I've never met these people, but they, they sort of follow my exploits. And I wanted to keep like, obviously too often you see these edited marketing videos from adventure companies or, or online about how amazing they like say someone's climbing Everest or going to Everest base camp or something. But you don't, I don't think it gives people a genuine idea about how, what it's going to be. Mm. You can't like the enjoyment in in things, anything endurance or anything that in life and in sport and everything else. The enjoyment comes from a victory at the end. Like for me, the the end bit and the raising the money and all that sort. That's the only thing that made it worth it. 
Yeah, I guess there's no chariots of fire under track as your skin is falling off your feet. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, when you, like when sometimes when I like, for instance, when I was around the Midlands sort of way, and I think that I'm looking at my feet and I'm thinking, well, I've got to do all that to get again tomorrow. Mm. And, it, and it's like, how do you like? Now I knew that I was resilient. Like, uh, not always had it easy in life and stuff like that. So it was kind of I knew I was resilient, and I. I put up with a lot of stuff and, but I was, it's just the whole, how am I going to do all this again tomorrow? But then that, your mentality does change and you, you can train your brain to work with you rather than against you. So I, but I, you catch yourself doing silly things. Like I went on the walk, I'd think I'd be walking and just sort of plodding along and speaking to people. And, and then all of a sudden I'd think in my head, Oh, I haven't thought about my feet hurting for ages. And then as soon as you think that, yeah. suddenly you've, you're in agony again. And yeah. But don't get me wrong, there was days where, like I, I had, uh, I think it was, I can't remember the name of the place now. So oh, it was Ripon, so, which is the next stop on from Harrogate, as it was. Um, I was I was dragging by this point um, in the day, my left leg, I was dragging. And I had cars stop in to say, like, are you okay? <laughs> like. <laughs> Is there an adult that I can take you to? Yeah, exactly. And it was, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm just doing a charity walk. And people were like, well, do, you, do you need a hospital? <laughs> I, was, I was kind of like, well, yeah, because as well, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to groom myself during it because mm. like, I wanted it just to be as authentic as possible. And like, I walked with a, uh, so there's a guy that's become a dear friend of mine since, and he does a lot of charity stuff and he's called Ryan Anderton. And, um, you can follow him on LinkedIn as well. He's um, he's a great guy. And he came to walk with me between Leeds and Harrogate, which is a 23-mile walk. So we did that, and um, we both moaned about it the whole way because like, he's northern and northern people moan. <laughs> I'm a southern sweaty by this point. But when we got to Harrogate, it was funny, we got stopped by the police. So we were stay- we, we, I was staying in a really, really posh hotel. It's Harrogate's <laughs> posh place to be fair and literally I'd say 20 meters short of the sort of short of those oh we got stopped by the police and they were kind of like what are you two doing and I and I I was a bit annoyed because obviously I was in pain and I knew why they were stopping me is because I looked like a homeless guy yeah so I said I did I asked the reason why I was being stopped is it because I look a bit homeless and the guy was like yeah basically that's that's why and then so that night I did some research into the statistics and they hadn't had a recorded homeless person in Harrogate for five years before that. So I can see why they were alarmed. There was probably alarms going off in the police station. We've got one. Well, that's it, yeah. And the thing is, we were walking, a lot of this walk was spent walking up the bloody road rather than, there's no pavements up north. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. It's just, you have to walk on the road. So there was, I got called, some bloke who's driving along the road took the time to slow right down open his window and call me a wanker and said, well, I can't I walk on the pavement that doesn't exist. Did he donate? No. Surprise. <laughs> it was just mean. And I was like, so I, all I could muster was the energy to point at the space where there would have been a pavement in a normal town. Yeah. <laughs> he had just told me to walk on. So I don't know what, what pavement he was telling me to walk on, but yeah. Yeah. You're dealing with this the whole time. I, was, I, ne- I nearly got, I got my head missed by a lorry's wing mirror, but literally by inches. Mm. When 
I was in Sussex, and I was oh, that was oh, that was kind of like whoa. And I was like, I can't control what these people are doing. So over and above, like the internal um, sense of like that achievement and getting over it and doing something. Um, well, let's just talk about the money for a second. How how much did you raise in total? I think it was near on four grand in the end. See, that's amazing. That's you, brilliant. You say that, but I, like I I can't help but to be disappointed with it. Well, I'm part of a team at the moment. We're about to do the Three Peaks Challenge in 16 days and six hours. Yeah. Um, and our target, and there's like 20 of us. Uh, Are you counting it. down the time till then, or was that the time it's going to take you? Uh, until we go, because I'm, oh, really, right. I'm really not looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's become this like millstone. Yeah. Um, um, and there's 20 of us. And our target is three thousand. So, the fact you did four thousand um, on your own is is fantastic. Yeah, but to be fair, there was a fantastic fellow called Peter Waddle, who he I think it's the uh, he's the CEO of the the big car company, big motoring company, and he donated fifteen hundred quid to that. To be fair, and can people still donate? Yes, yes, you can still donate. Yes, on just giving. I mean, it's just giving Nick McEwen four. Um, there's a link. I'll put it in the great in the thing. But yeah, no, it's. Um, I mean, it, it was only because I think the the disappointment comes with obviously number one. I know how difficult it was for me. Um, number two, the time it took, and then number three, like I saw, <laughs> I saw fantastic work. Like I, I will never knock any charity work, but I came when I was in the hotel in Edinburgh. There was a <laughs> there was a, a bake sale for one of the Barclays branches, you know, like selling cakes yeah. and stuff. And they raised twelve hundred quid, <laughs> <laughs> which is fantastic. Like, all, all money raised charities fantastic, but I thought I'd rather a baked four lots of cakes. <laughs> My feet have fallen off. I've walked seven hundred <laughs> miles, and you've made a sponge. <laughs> That's- yeah, that kind of. Um, once you've completed it, the sense yeah. of um, it being over, was that straight away or were you on a high for a few days? What was that like? Um, so I had, I had a weird a weird but brilliant weekend in Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> so my friend Ryan stayed because Ryan – so basically the last day of the walk is as mental as the rest of it. So right. basically I was, I think – three miles out from Edinburgh. Near the end. You're coming yeah, to the end. There, so basically, I was walking with poles by this point. I was in a lot of pain. And there was an old guy who just, basically, what happened was, he was walking to Edinburgh as well. And he was like, oh, can I ask you a question about your poles? And I was like, yeah, no no worries. So, so we started chatting and walking. And then I was like, so obviously because I'm talking to this guy, I hadn't thought about time or maps or anything like that. But I knew Ryan was coming to meet me at the statue where I finished. So I was walking with this old guy and then I was just like, he was like, Oh, um, he was like, I'm going to leave you here then. And I was like, right. Okay. Thanks for walking with me and stuff. And he was like, yeah, no worries. And I still didn't really realize where I was. (laughs) I knew I was close by. And then, 
yeah, I sort of, he had walked off and I sort of had just turned around and lo and behold, I was there. And I, I didn't realise that I had finished that magazine. <laughs> so he, he was like a pacemaker, but in reverse. Yes. Um, he was an old man with severe knee problems, but he, he walked there far, just as fast as I did. But I, <laughs> I, so I got there and I didn't know I was there. And as soon as, as soon as I saw it, my whole body just shut down. Really? Yeah. Literally the second I saw it in my vision, worked out where it was, and my body just shut down. Now, annoyingly, Ryan had got there five minutes before me. <laughs> he had rode his bike up from Leeds, which is a feat in itself, to be fair. Yes, and I've seen some of his stuff as well. He's a... I always say to him that cycling's easy. Yeah. Just just partly as banter and partly because I like to annoy him. But, <laughs> it was, um, yeah, so I, I, he had got there five minutes before. And like, so... I, I don't know what I would have looked like at this point in time, but I, I just felt a bit like my body just stopped and sort of just, I went over to him and sort of just fell on him basically. <laughs> and, then, um, and then he said, right, come on, pick yourself up because like, I couldn't comprehend that it was finished. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like I had a weird over, like basically I went mental for a, for a little while. <laughs> I think I was dehydrated too because I had to walk for. So basically, I woke up on the on the day before it. I was still forty miles away, I think, four zero. So I had to walk wow. through, and it was kind of like so. I did. I walked through the night and stuff, and got there. And so it was all, and I was dehydrated. It was all going on, and then so. He said, "Right, you got to do your, you got to do your pictures for shelter." Because I had an idea of putting the, putting the t-shirt on the dog, on the statue. Yeah, and and so I was like, "Oh, um, uh, yeah." So I sort of got myself together, and did that, and then sat down on the floor again. And I think Ryan took the picture, and that's where the picture come from of the, of the finish. Like, I mean, we had ideas about the picture anyway, but I'd sort of tried to plan something, but it sort of ended up just being quite natural. To be fair. And I think, obviously, probably be recognised as a prize winner in future, that photo, to be honest, because it is a good one. But, yeah, no, that was that. But then it went mental from there. Like, I then had um, people had reached, like, uh, a good friend of mine, Lisa, she had organised stuff for me. So, like, in terms of, like, um, a hair appointment to get my yeah, hair. Yeah, I saw that. Clothing from Urban Outfitters, a fella called Colin Proctor, that was really kind, because I only had skanky walking clothes by this point which like my socks you could literally you could break I don't, I don't even want to think about your socks yes you could break bricks with them let's just say mm. that and so I went and got some clothes went and got my hair cut then went to the hotel and then <laughs> me and Ryan went up to the room which I thought would be like a twin room at the Crown Plaza Edinburgh which was lovely by the way the people were unbelievably kind to me and then it was a double bed, so I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> "I then was that I forgot to tell him that Ryan was coming." Yeah. Um, so obviously Ryan went back down to reception. They then put him up in a suite as well, which was lovely of them. Mm. Um, it was an error on my part. And then from there, um, a friend of mine, Hannah, had organised with through a contact of hers to get us a meal for the night. So we went to a really nice rat Mexican, and it was all sort of free and the drinks were free and then another one of my so these are all people from linkedin at this point 
And then another LinkedIn connection of mine, Kate, was having a hen do in Edinburgh that night. So we went for a couple of drinks there. And then, yeah, and then the next day just sort of chilled out a bit. And a nice breakfast, did a bit of exploring. Took about an hour to walk a mile. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you shouldn't be walking at all. No, which was testament to that. And then, yeah, then Ryan went home. I stayed a couple of extra days just to get my... I'd probably say my thoughts and emotions together. Like I just mm. needed a minute before mm. I went home. Now I know most people would be racing home, but I felt like I needed to take a minute just to not be on my own, but just sort of yeah. gather, gather myself. And then, yeah, then headed home on the train and heartbreakingly zoomed past the places that I'd walked for seven weeks in probably seven hours, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was hard, but like, especially like some of the places where I've walked near the tracks, you see things that you've seen. Yeah. Up, and it was kind of like, oh, God, yeah, that's, that's devastating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and what, what have you been doing since then, then? So I get one of the things that comes across is um, just how many people you've made kind of friends with um, and shouted out there through LinkedIn. So you're doing yeah. a lot on LinkedIn now, right? Yes. I mean, I have, I've had, so LinkedIn for me started a couple of years ago. Um, one of my, my, my old boss was like, can you make a LinkedIn profile? And I was like, are you sure you want me to? <laughs> anyway, so they, so I did. And I used to post about boring work stuff, which nobody gave two shits about to be honest. And I used to get like one like or something like that. If I was lucky, it was probably <laughs> from a cousin or my mate. <laughs> But I, so I went, um, so I, I basically, I'd split up with a girlfriend at the time with my son's mother and we, so I needed a new place. So I went to an estate agent and had a look and the lady in the estate agent was kind of like, um, it's long winded, but I will get to the point. The estate the lady in the estate agent said, um, right, if you need to move in ASAP, which I did, um, then we can get all the paperwork done in two hours. So I was like, oh, that's great. You know, I can move in today. And she was like, yeah, it's like, I think the fees were like £600. So I said, hold, hold on a minute. So I said, you're going to charge me £600, which is something that is, in essence, two hours' work. Yeah. Because you've just told me you can do it in two hours. She was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I was like, too late, I'm going. <laughs> so then I posted about that and went to sleep. And then, I don't know what, I probably had about 25 people in my network. <laughs> yeah. And then... <laughs> I woke up and I had, I think I had like 5,000 likes. Wow. And a lot of, randomly, a lot of people from India and America. <laughs> had loads of connection requests and, and stuff like that. And then, excuse me, I got a sore throat if I sound a bit lemony. Um, and then, yeah, my outlook changed. So I started posting more about myself and sort of personal experiences and and yeah, and then it just went nuts and people seemed to resonate with what I said. And I mean, some of the stuff may be probably a bit controversial for LinkedIn, but. I think it's, do you know what, just talking personally, going through the feed, um, so much of it can be quite samey. Um, hmm. And then I'll always see one of yours and go, oh, this will be good. And like get out my comfy chair and just sit back and watch for a bit. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I mean, what I so like the, the secret to it, as it would be, would be so I always I think that I post as I think. So if it's so, I don't think about it. Like I don't go away and think oh, I think this will be good content. 
Like I, I've I've started to do that for other people, which I'll touch on in a minute. But for me, I found out that I had, I suppose, a knack of posts on there because every post was was doing okay, um, and the figures were were outstanding. But it was kind of like, so that I explained it to a friend of mine yesterday. With I would say something that maybe some would see as controversial, um, not always, but try and put a funny spin on it. And then you can always reel people back in with empathy. Like if if you have empathy, which mm. I do, you can always reel people back in because they know that look, at the end of the day, my intentions are good. Mm. Um, but I think that some things need to be talked about that people don't necessarily talk about. So I so I post on there. So yeah. So lately I've been. I mean, I have to maintain my day job for now, which is not fun. But I took all of my. So I still had all of my work stuff on there, my work history and stuff like that before the walk. But then I thought that I wanted to make my LinkedIn profile just about LinkedIn or the charity stuff. Yeah. Like not about work and stuff like that. So I so I took it off just before the walk, so 10 weeks ago, wherever it was. And since then, so I don't post anything about work, and my engagement has gone up even more and more and more. Now, and where's that going to? What's the Where's that leading to? Or- well, so I've now been – so since I come back from the walk, I had I did a couple of posts – I think between the two of them, they got sort of like 2 million, something like that, views. And I was chatting to a few people about it, and they said, oh, can you have a look at our LinkedIn? And I was kind of like, well, I've been advised, I've done that sort of thing for people so many times before for free. Mm. And I was kind of thinking, like, I know that there's people making money doing this. So I thought that maybe I could do that. So I had a chat with them, an honest chat, and said, look, I sort of, maybe starting to get into the sort of looking after people's social media profiles, maybe doing a bit of marketing. And they said, yeah, great. Okay. Do ours. So I was like, all right, brilliant. (laughs) Easy conversation. So I did that. And then I've been doing a couple of local sort of construction companies, LinkedIn as well, which has gone really well so far. And I'd sort of post, I tried to post as I would say it, but obviously for the business ones, you've got to think a little Mm. bit more about posting. So I've, so I've been doing that. It seems to be working really well. And then I put a post up yesterday about sort of maybe getting into this full time rather than just in my spare time. And since then, last night and today, phones began mental. That's great. So so like, not obviously not every one of those will convert. I'm definitely not a salesman. <laughs> but I, I I just try and I try and tell people that this is what I've achieved with it. This is what I think that you could do with it. I think a little tweak here, a little tweak. I mean, even if it's just... If people that not everyone wants to give you their login details to manage their account, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should come with a warning. Exactly that. So some people just want advice on it and stuff like that, and said like, "Can we set up sort of like an hourly rate or something?" And I think you know what, great. I'm open to all of those things. Mm. Like LinkedIn, a lot of people, a lot of my friends in real life, shall we say, don't understand it, and they would they would take the make. But then I, I would explain to them, look. It's been a tool that has, in in essence, changed my life, changed yeah. my outlook, because I didn't. I always I'm from a little town. Like I didn't know there's a big wide world out there full of amazing people. Like some of the people that I've spoken to and the and the the things I've learned, the things these people have taught me. People who are experts in their field, and it's all things that like from just from just completely natural conversations, and then. If you if you need a favour, they'll help you out. So basically, I, I say to people now, I know an expert in everything. Yeah. 
You know, like I've got whatever amount of followers I've got and one of them is an expert in something. So why wouldn't you want to have that tool at your disposal? Exactly. I don't think people make enough use of their their networks or the net or the networks of the networks of the networks, you know. So like I mean I, I it has changed my life. I've met some fantastic people, like some people that are friends for life. I met well, it didn't quite work out in the end, but I met my ex girlfriend on there. You know, and, and things like that and she's a lovely girl and things like that are people don't see that side of it. They just see it as a boring business platform, but it truly is what you make it. Like, I think that it's fair to say my network and my page and so it's probably slightly different to most people's in terms of, For sure. in terms of what I say and, and, and the network I have. But then like it, it baffles me still that I, so people message like, um, things like little things like great posts really insightful can't wait to see your next one and it's like it's not an ego boost it's just nice to hear that if your opinion resonates like, i mean obviously i put on on a more serious note i put on about 18 months ago it, like, if anybody's struggling then just reach out hmm. not as a throwaway post it's just that someone was going for a hard time like and i thought that maybe people would be more comfortable speaking to me because i'm not a professional i am a bit more laid back and mate like, obviously always try and keep humor as part of it um so people might appreciate that and the 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 numbers were out just completely astounding i can people, imagine people reaching out. so some of those people that i i mean obviously you can't you can't you don't solve everybody's problems not what i'm trying to say but these some of the people that reached out in the first instance last year and like I see them now and they're happy and, and it's not because of me. It's, it's sometimes it's nothing to do with me at all. But I think but it's, it's important just, that if you've yeah, you, your just, net, your network and your visibility using that for good, but in a, in a way that's authentic to you. So if you think about some of the topics you're, you've covered and you've highlighted homelessness and mental health, especially for men. Um, yeah. It is, I think really important. We've just finished mental health awareness week and that, that kind of awareness is great, but it's, it, if it's followed up with somebody authentic saying, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm here for you and I can have a chat. I think that's, that's great. But to do it in a way that is all, you know, um, I've got a friend of mine who will constantly try and do what he calls fishing with me, where he's just trying to get me to bite. Um, But it's all based in humor. And I think you do a lot of that with your, with your posts, but it is, there's no doubt it is you. Um, And I think then when you start talking about things like mental health and stuff like that, it's going to meet a wider audience for sure. Yeah. Because I, I mean, there's the, like some some conversations I've had on there is uh, go along the lines of like we didn't know if it was a wind up. Yeah, <laughs> which I, no, I, I completely understand. Like I understand why people feel that. But then at the end of the day, the the humour is part of it. Like people, so whether you have mental, if you've got mental health issues, it doesn't mean you don't want to have a laugh. Yeah, no, it doesn't mean that you do. You only see the serious side in life, and like so the numbers that the numbers of people that reached out to me with that in the beginning was crazy, crazy is the wrong word, but was <laughs> it just, <laughs> I think you can still say that. Uh, yeah. It astounded me. And 
then it went on from there and and then the network grew and then more people grew and then what I started to work out was like from the people that I'd spoke to the direction to of to someone else that I could point them yeah so it's nice to have an introduction so like that I knew that say for instance if somebody is struggling with anxiety now I'm I'm not going to name names but obviously but I know somebody who's an expert in that mm. so then I could pass them well after I've had an initial chat like sort of just make sure that number one and just to be serious for a minute like my immediate concern is that they're safe yeah are these people safe do they have accommodation and i always run through these things first to try to and then talk about the situation what's going on and then try to now i'm not obviously i'm not a doctor and i'm not qualified but then i would try and work out the best place to point them through my experience because i always like i say i always know somebody so, and then I would say to the person that I'm introducing to, like, I've got, I won't name any names again, but I've got this person without naming the name yet. They're going through this. This is the situation. Are you happy to speak to them? Of course they always are, you know, because they're, they're genuinely good people, 99% of my network. So then, yeah, then I, then I pass them on to the right people and then just follow it up and just make sure that they're okay. And, and hopefully they're on the right track because far too many, like, it's easy to just say to someone takes two minutes out of your day to check on someone. Mm. Mm. It's not, it's not a big commitment. Now I've, I must admit that I've struggled as of late to deal with the sheer number. Yeah. I bet. I mean, that's tough. Um, But then on the same token, I think people understand that like nowadays with my LinkedIn, the way it is and the, just the sheer number of people like it's, I like, they know that I'll do my best. Like if I yeah. can, like if I haven't got back to them, there's always a reason, you know, like I am just flat out. But obviously the ones that I have ones that flag up as urgent and stuff like that. And I'll, or sometimes a lot of it as well comes from people saying, can you have a chat with so-and-so? I wonder if they're struggling or so then, yeah, just try and have a lighthearted chat with them and then find out where they are. And if, and if, like where they're at with things in their head and if we need to do anything but then you get messages saying look hand on heart thanks for that you know it's really kind and 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 it and it always makes me feel good to have done good you know like i think that everybody should have that i don't think it's selfish to feel that way mm. like when you when you when you know that you've, if you've been an assistance to someone and they they've taken only positives from it then then that's a great thing and you should feel good about yourself doing it because then it motivates you to do it again. And not only that, tell other people to do that again. Well, there's no better feeling, right? We're all, we're all connected. I think we suffer yes. at the moment from everyone putting us all in different boxes and saying, look, we're different, but we're not. We're all the same. Oh, well, that's the one. I mean, once you see that, once you understand that, then your life in general becomes a lot easier. I think and- that the, the notion, the notion of helping others is should be a given and weirdly it isn't exactly i get people say to me all the time like my mum bless her heart she she's um i don't know how to best describe her mum she's a hero of mine but she's um she's set in her ways shall we say right she would say when i said well obviously about the walk and stuff and she's like what the bloody hell are you doing that for (laughs) bloody worry about yourself get yourself straight because my life's not perfect you know what I mean? I don't live yeah. like a fairy tale existence. So, well, it's been a series of ups and downs and disasters and everything in between, to be fair. Yeah. But, 
but yeah, but that, that, that notion of help yourself first, which I look, it's a completely understandable thing. But my mum genuinely thinks it's weird. <laughs> yeah. I do stuff like that. Whereas I think it's weird that she doesn't. Yeah. So you're always going to have that sort of, <laughs> there's a middle ground there somewhere, I think. It's just about the right balance, isn't it? If there's enough people doing both, then happy days. Yes, hundred percent. But if you can get everyone to that middle ground, then you're you're not going to go too far wrong. And that, look, I I have opinions on LinkedIn. I disagree with a lot Do of you? things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but I have I have a lot of opinions. And and but I, I always try and say, like, what I say and the stuff I do, bar a couple of exceptions, always come from a good place. Mm. And in my I try and deal with things in humour, but then obviously sometimes there's a serious undertone to what I'm saying. And it's, it's not, like, I'm not the voice of LinkedIn. There's people that do it far better than me on there, but I just like, if, I think that the same, if you've got a tool like LinkedIn, where if I don't know something, you can get educated on it on LinkedIn pretty easily. Yeah, for sure. Like it's not difficult to, to ask a question on there. So I, I tend to put my opinions out and look, hands up. If I'm wrong, I am wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. I, I always argue till I'm blue in the face, but I think that that needs discourse needs to be part of part of life because because you need to sometimes you need to disagree or show be shown that you're wrong to understand that you are wrong. I th- I think that's the thing is if you can have alternative if two people can come together with alternative views, the critical thing is that both people are prepared to admit they're wrong if requ- you know if proven. And then, yeah. because that part of it has just seemingly disappeared a lot, where it's now just people shouting at each other from "I'm position A, your position B." Yes. What, what's the point? <laughs> so, as of, as of late, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was as of late, I've noticed a lot of I call identity politics bullet, bullying, basically. So, in terms of the the things that people say, like, and they assume that your stance on something is something because of something you said about something else. And I, I don't like that. Hmm. I think that's a real, that's a, that's a real dangerous road to go down. It's kind of, so the way that the, the wonderful thing about our politics in this country that we've had up until this point is it's always been, there's always been options. You're not just one or the other. Hmm. Whereas in America and places like obviously in America, you have the Republicans and Democrats and you, to be part of one to be part of one of these parties you have to believe in xxx and i I don't like that like you can have a you can have an opinion on anything in the world that you want but you don't it doesn't necessarily mean that you're right wing or left wing or you know you you can just have an opinion on things and i think that's that i mean it's a it's a fascinating subject i think there's this um I don't know anything about. I've just started reading about this thing called um, the illusion of separation, um, which is we're all uh, society is now set up to make us think that we've got loads of separations, and that to your point, if I'm if I'm one thing, whether that's political or whatever, that's my entirety as a human being. When in yeah. fact, it's all an illusion because we are all we're all the same. Um, yeah not just as humans, but with the planet, we're all on the same planet at the same time. We've got more that um, joins us together than separates us, but all we focus on are the differences. 
Yeah, because I mean, you have to to, to shout someone down based on something. Like, I mean, like obviously, I support gay marriage. See, no, no problem with gay marriage at all. At the end of the day, if you're in love, you should be able to get married. But if someone didn't agree with gay marriage, I wouldn't then on the spot assume that they're right wing, conservative, horrible people. Mm. It might be their religious point of view that's led them to believe that. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that that's their opinion on stuff. You're not going to. You won't necessarily change that by shouting at them. No, surely the first thing is to find out more. Yeah. Like, so, for instance, why do you feel the way you do? And at the end of the day, if somebody's religious beliefs are that they, they that gay people shouldn't be allowed to get married, then I would, if I said that they're wrong and shouting them down for it, I'd be doing exactly the same thing to them that they're doing. Yeah, completely. And then, and then, then who's right and who's just shouting loudest? And, it, mm. and it's... It becomes ridiculous. I think that you have to... Don't get me wrong. Some people's opinions are just wrong. Yes. And, and some, sometimes things that people say are just stupid. And mm. you you can... Sometimes it's, it's okay to get annoyed with these things. Like, we have the whole bloody Oleg thing going on at the moment where all of the people on LinkedIn that are following... I mean, I, I cannot, for the life of me, understand this. Like, I cannot wrap my head around the idea that putting hashtag Oleg on your post is going to get you a job. It isn't. Mm. It's not going to get you a job. It, all it's going to do is increase his following. Yeah, it's bizarre. I don't, I don't purport to that. Like, and like I've, I've <laughs> the last week or so I've been probably on what looked like an Oleg attack. I haven't like at the end, he actually comes across as a nice fella. I, I think like, do you know what I mean? He looks like your granddad would, you know? <laughs> yeah. sometimes people people need to say things because if nobody is and like some people are just gullible mm. this is and, what i like this is what i like about how you how you post it's the kind of um the emperor's new clothes whereas there's there's you saying no hang on he's naked yeah so i think that those kind of um challenges to be honest you've made me think about um about a year ago, uh, from the times when I was out of work and lost my job, um, I kind of missed out on some opportunities that I saw on LinkedIn too late or someone said to me, oh, I saw a, a position that would have been perfect for you, but um, I didn't pass it on. Yeah, great, thanks. Um, and and as, as my network started to increase, I thought maybe there's a way. So all I've been doing once a week is it started off as just people I knew personally um where i would say what they were looking for and where with the hope that recruiters would see it and that has actually led to um so i've done it once a week for a year and there's yeah. about 10 people on there and it but it's generated i would say two definite direct linked jobs but yeah. seeing some of the stuff i thought do you know what i don't want to be the, the reason for me doing this isn't because I'm aiming to be Oleg or I've forgotten the lady's name. Um, there's Bridget. another. Yes. How could you forget Bridget? <laughs> well, I don't. Um, I don't follow them, but obviously I see. I see what they're what they're doing. But your posts have made me um, not in a negative way, but question yes. um, what I'm doing as well. Now, don't get me wrong. The people I'm constantly in touch with the people that um, I 
post about it's all done with their approval and i will tag them on other things that i find helpful and that cool sorry no i was just going to say they've said even if it had people that have then got jobs and it's i've got i've had nothing to do with it which is like 95 percent, 99 percent of the time have said it's just been nice to have someone in your corner but what you've been saying is they're doing oleg and um oh god you just told me i've Yes. Um, just think of Mrs. Bucket. That's what I do. <laughs> Hyacinth, okay. got it. Are doing something different, right? Because, I mean, they must have teams or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, so they're, they're both both their accounts are run by media companies. But so the, the, there's a sinister bit to it, which I'll get onto in a minute. But they're, so I'm not being funny. Most of, if you look at the, the metrics of it, which I always, I'm, I'm a LinkedIn geek. Like, I love the platform. So I spend way too much time on it. It sort of gets in the way of other things, but it doesn't matter. So I so I look at most of these things, and a guy – so what you said, on a personal level, with good intentions, tagging people in the post, actively trying to get them into work, is different to you, some, you saying, right, everyone chuck hashtag Martin on your posts mm-hmm. and see because there's nothing personal about it. Like, it achieves literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Because most of Oleg's followers are from India or the subcontinent, I've noticed. Um, that's not that's undeniable. Now, you're telling me that someone in Brighton who's who needs a needs a needs someone to come and work at their factory and do a bit of design work is then gonna go, all right, now I've seen seen someone from New Delhi has put hashtag Oleg on his post. So now that's made me think I'm going to give that guy a job. Mm. No, it doesn't work like that. No. It it's just, it's like the amount of people that have done it. If you think that bloke gets 50, 100,000 likes on every post and how many, ever many views he gets and all of these people are, all these people are putting hashtag Oleg. No recruiter in the world has time to look for all that. No. Some of that, uh, those intentions and that kind of thing is, it's just disappointing to hear, but how how do you disassociate, um, or what's your view then? Let's put it that way. What's your view when um, the message is one of that somebody might gain something from? It's it's helpful or it's um, I wouldn't just say motivational because they're quite empty sometimes. But if there's yeah. a good advice in there, um, but in addition, I guess it's the motive, isn't it? Um, yeah, like, but all all I'll say is is well, the, the way I look at it is if you're making up a story to get likes and to get people to follow you or to even if it is with good intentions, but then say you're making up a story. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or don't write it that is as it's actually happened. It's like you 100%. see, you'll see a guy. There was a guy a few weeks ago. Did you see the three pound twelve at the petrol pump thing? I've seen. I saw. Um, that I didn't read the full post because it was one of those ones where it's either that or it was the two Japanese footballers playing thirty kids. It's once one, once one person gets something, sometimes yeah. then it's just all over your feed for a week. I didn't see the three pounds twelve. What's that? So there was a guy that was like a a woman at a petrol station, and he had uh, like he pulled up after her and noticed that she'd only put three pound twelve. 
in the in the um, in the in our petrol tank. So like he's not an influence of this guy; he's just a random guy. And it was kind of like so he's ran after her, stopped her, and then filled her tank up. But right. Logistically, my brain. I, I, look, I don't want to come across as too skeptical because I always try and see the best in life in general. But so the guy, the picture is of the pump. It says three pound twelve. Right. Okay. And also underneath it clearly says, "Please replace nozzle." Right. So obviously we all know we all know how petrol pumps work. Yeah. So if you pick up. <laughs> and num- I've I've put petrol and stuff like that. So when would you have time to get out your car, run after a woman who's already pulled off, stop her, say, "Come back. I want to fill your tank up because I've noticed you've only put three pounds twelve in." Then reverse your car so she can reverse her car into the petrol gap, the the, the pump. Then pick up the no- and then in the, in this whole time not replace the nozzle that she had put three pounds away in a car with. Did she just leave the nozzle on the floor? Like, how does that work? Because <laughs> yeah. technically, she's technically driven off work. without paying. Yeah. It's the, it's, the, it's the only way that could have possibly worked, unless it was a robbery of three pounds. <laughs> which is never going to happen, is it, in real life? So, and, what, and, that, and that went crazy on there, did it? Went crazy. but it, And it's kind of like, but it does make you think, like, if I was a nasty man, how am I not a millionaire by now if people are that stupid? <laughs> you know what I mean? If people believe anything like that that you say on there and stupid posts like that, how am I How have I not? Obviously, I have good intentions, but I think that just things like that, it, it's worrying. It troubles me. I really like your first point, actually, is in the... Um... Our history is about, um, the history of the human race is about telling stories. There is yeah. nothing wrong with saying, hey, I've thought of this great story. Yeah. And inherent in the story is a really positive message. A hundred percent. That I, I, I loved, I, I, people, don't know if people know it or what, but I, I genuinely love to see positivity. And I love to see people doing well. And I love more than anything to see people helping other people. Like I've I've always been a bit like that. I'm more like it nowadays because of the stuff that I've done myself. So it's it, it's great to send a positive message, but just don't 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 use that. Like mm. don't use that for cheap stuff because it just like other people then will only see the negative and stuff. And like if there is a guy who genuinely does amazing things to help people, or or a lady, and people are just like this is bollocks. Mm. Because of idiots like that, stupid things don't do anything for anybody apart from get them likes and followers. And that, that, those 10,000 likes that they get may stop three, four, five other people helping other people, yeah, because of they, they just don't believe these, these stupid things. And yeah, that's worrying to me. Like, I, I always I always try and call people out for that sort of crap. Well, we need the, the, the platform and in life needs people that, um, especially humour, humour gets me every time, but that people like you that use humour just to prick at pomposity and just say, hey, come on, let's have a bit of fun, but stop being so up yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, that's that's the goal with it all. Like, I, I don't want anyone to take anything negative from my LinkedIn posts. Like, like you say, you're not always going to agree with everyone. 
and people aren't always going to agree with you. And like I said before, like I've had death threats on there. I've had all sorts. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I just got angry with Sandy Post. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had all that on there and, and it's kind of like that, that my intention is never to upset people. Like if mm. I was to think of it now, it's the same as anything. Like I am not one of these bloody influencers that, that, that thinks I'm an influencer, says I'm an influencer. But at the end of the day, when a network gets to the sort of size that mine is now, you have a responsibility. Mm. And my idea with that would be that if, if X amount of people are going to listen to what I say, then it, it, you have a responsibility with that. And if not not ne- technically people in my network, but people on LinkedIn as a whole, if they are in a bad place or prepared to listen to stories or just some people are just a bit gullible, mm. I don't think you should use that for self-gain. I think that, that you can't have... You can't have that attitude about you that you're going to do these things. You, like that whole That whole ethos is wrong to me and mm-hmm. like the responsibility that comes with having a network like mine is that you 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 have a responsibility to these people and you they they followed you because they want to hear what you say so use that for good mm-hmm. if you can like, mm-hmm. it, like don't, don't get me wrong like i don't care about like if people want to post about their businesses or pictures of their dogs or their cats like so what yeah exactly like, I, Never, I never understood this whole "this isn't LinkedIn appropriate" thing. No, keep scrolling. <laughs> Makes no sense. The people that say that, yeah, it's like so. I will if I think that something is funny, or if I think that I can put so like on a lot of Bridget's posts, I would write hashtag never happened <laughs> because it didn't. Yeah, but then I don't know for what I don't know what works with Bridget's Media Company, but they've blocked me and unblocked me about 13 times now. <laughs> so that sometimes she pops up in blue, sometimes she pops up in black, and you, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. But but things like that, which is just a, it's just a little joke. If Bridget messaged me and said, I'm really upset by what you're doing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then I can have a conversation. Like, I wouldn't intentionally hurt someone's feelings. Like, I'm guilty yeah. as anybody of... Sometimes, I mean, like we've always said in life, there's banter and then there's mm. just being mean. Mm. And like, I, I don't try, I never, it's never my intention to just be mean. Like, I'll say something if I, and don't get me wrong, I've had some absolute howlers on there where I've said things that then go, oh, Jesus Christ, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, of course. You know, and then, then, then I think about it and then pr- probably should have deleted some of the stuff I said. I haven't, but. And it, and it, again, that's where that's where the polarization comes in, and and the things like that. And I, I think there there's a whole there's a whole subculture of people on there that just want to be offended. Of course, like I, I have I've had many many disagreements with feminists on there, and <clears throat> so my post, like <clears throat> my post last year, which I kind of mirror this year on International Women's Day. So I'm aware, before before I tell you what I run, I'm aware that I have a platform. I'm aware that International Women's Day is an important day. So my way of drawing humour to that or drawing attention to that was free. In my head, that's how I saw it. Sorry, you broke up there for me. Did I? Yeah, you said but, through and I didn't hear it. 
okay, I'll repeat that. So my um, my my intention with International Women's Day was to draw attention to it through humour. Yeah. Okay, so I did a post last year saying that on International Women's Day, it's time to celebrate all the wonderful women things that women do, such as making sandwiches, moaning, and playing netball. <laughs> That's an innocent, light-hearted joke. But yeah. I know the amount of people are going to see that, and it'll raise awareness for International Women's Day. Oh, for sure. It backfired. It backfired. But it, I mean, the post, as um, in terms of views and likes, went really well. But then it was obviously reported so many times that it was just removed by LinkedIn. And they put a temporary limitation on my account. I think something like that is, it's the extent to which someone knows you. If they've, even if they didn't know you, but they've seen any number of your previous posts, that yeah. is humour. And um, it's not something that you you don't believe that um, women are defined like that or whatever. Um, see, but the same token, I, I can't ever imagine... I can't ever imagine looking at a post and thinking, right, I need to report that. You know, because everybody has opinions. Like, unless you're, unless you're doing something outright disgusting. Yeah. So if you're being racist or homophobic or openly mocking disabled people or something, then, then yeah. But then did not people think, I, I, I'm not saying personally, but then I completely agree with you. There's things that are so abhorrent that free speech doesn't um, apply. So, the things you've mentioned, racism, homophobic, all that kind of stuff. Um, do you think then someone could have looked at that and not got the humour and thought it was sexist? Yeah, 100%. But then, to me, sexism is sexism is an issue that is obviously dwindling. There's now, but there, I'm, I'm in... I So I have some views on this, which a lot of ladies, from, from speaking on LinkedIn, don't like in terms of, look, we know it's a shrinking issue, and I think that there, as a human race, there's more important things that we need to focus our attention on at the moment in terms of, like, is it as big a problem as it's being made out to be would be my issue with it. Now, I know that there is cases, and I know that there's, I know that there's problems, and, I, and I, I've got to be careful what I say, I know, but... I also think that, say, for instance, to me, because of my beliefs, I would rather focus on homelessness and and the fact that the planet's dying. And if we don't get that together, then none of us are going to be here to moan about anything. It's a, it's a really interesting, though, because it's kind of like, and this is something that you must get um, quite often. It's I think it's like, what, what aboutism or... So you're yeah. talking about one topic and say, well, I know sexism is yeah. bad, but what about climate change? And you're going, yeah. well, okay, let's talk about climate change later on. But right now, let's yeah. talk about um, sexism. Because I think it's one of those, look at us, two, um, definitely for me, middle-aged, younger yeah. for you, white guys, yeah. talking about the extent to which sexism is... Um, still prevalent or re- reducing or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Again, I know you're, you're a lover of um, statistics and it, everything being fact-based. I think yeah. there's enough stats out there that would say there's still a long, long way to go when it comes to equality between um, genders, for sure. 
I mean, hundred percent. But then it, it, talking about what about it's a bit. It's I don't think that. I mean, the way feminism is now, like so, so for the the way the way that it's the way that it's portrayed now is is different. And so, feminism, obviously, by definition, is the search for equality. Now, equality it, it depends on, like I say, equality of outcome or equality of opportunity. Now, to me, it should be equality of opportunity, not necessarily equality of outcome. I don't believe quotas for how many women you should have at work or how many men you should have at work. And the fact is, where does the the, the, the perceived male domination, like, where is it nowadays? Like, where where is the perceived male domination? I mean, I know that, obviously, the, the figures for women in in high-powered jobs and CEOs and stuff are going up. I know that. So, but it, again, there's the whole statistic. If you look at the statistics of it, the, the amount of men that commit suicide, the amount of men that are homeless, the amount of men that are unemployed, the amount sure. of men that, like, so, for instance, family courts, 97% of women win custody in family court cases. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I, I breathed a sigh of relief when I hit my 45th birthday this year because it meant that, now I'm more likely to die of something else other than suicide. So I, Which I, is, I mean, on a separate, we'll come to that in a minute. It's just crazy the level of statistics oh, on that. Completely, I get it. But you'll, you know, one of the things. Um, where is it apparent that men? Um, it, I think it's it's the world. I mean, there's there's been a couple of things where. Um, the, uh, you know the space um there was a uh, a spacewalk planned yeah. and they only had one astronaut suit that was um had the right dimensions for female astronauts and yeah. that then led to somebody writing a piece about um ev- the world around us in terms of you know cars buildings everything is all based on the male the average male form so i think yeah. I I I kind of disagree around quotas because, uh, and I'm it's, this is loosely formed, right? So bear with me a sec. Um, it's that it's that picture of kids trying to look over a fence. Um, I like to think visually about how to explain the aim because I think we all have the same aim, and I think that's something we all kind of forget. Um, sure, the, the aim is we're all treated the same and we're all treated on our, how we behave and our competencies. And so it would be, so it'd be outcome of opportunity, you know, equality of opportunity. So we all have the same chances. We all, that's, so when I, when I get into debates with feminists and third wave feminists, especially like my, my argument would be that I am, we're arguing for the same thing in two different ways. Mm. There is nobody that's more pro equality than me. But I don't. My my opinion would be that I don't think the way to to gain equality for everybody is to argue about how bad things were in the past uh, or uh, what's what separates us now. I think that the agreed. way to get to equality is to concentrate on the amazing steps that we're all making mm. and to celebrate these things. And to me, focusing on focusing on the negatives that have happened before. And don't get me wrong. Obviously, sexism by fact and definition is declining. We know this, but don't get me wrong. It's still, I'm not saying it's not a huge problem because it is. Yeah. But my, my point would be I don't think the way to close that gap 
is is by focusing because if you're constantly screaming about everything that's happened before, you're not educating anybody about how to move forward. Mm. And uh, and I think there's a, there should be an element of never forgetting stuff. But on the same token, we as a world, as like in the UK especially, and like on a personal level, I think we've all made massive strides towards equality, and like laws have changed, and we've had certain laws written up, and all of these things are positive steps which should be celebrated. Mm. And if your mentality, not you specifically, but if people's mentality is well, what about this? What about that? Then you're not going to get anywhere because mm. the the way from speaking to people who are abjectly sexist, which I've done over the years, the way to 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 make these people see differently is not to tell them or shout them down with "This is what happened before." Yeah, this is our outlook. It's it's to ask questions and why do they feel the way they feel and and what can we what can we do moving forward to make it different and then educate them. You don't mm. educate children by shouting in their face no. about anything that's wrong. You educate them by showing them a better way. Mm. And if you can, if you can, if you can show the progress we're making and the amazing leaps that we've all made in the last fifty years or a hundred years, then then that's what that's what we should be doing. Mm. That's what bridges the gap, I think. But I mean, I could be wrong. I want to I want to say at this point, like for anybody that's offended by anything that I said or have said before on LinkedIn in terms of sexism and things like that, then I'm always open to a discussion about it and have a completely open mind. Like if somebody can show me a different way or a different outlook, I'm always prepared to listen. And I think, but that's this conversation um, evidence is that right is we're all wanting the same thing with the same people. And we are discussing what that means and how, how do you identify that kind of stuff and how do you, how do we continue to move forward? Cause I think you're right. I think one of the things that we are partly the media, partly us obsessed with is where things are going wrong. Um, yes. and where there is difference and sales, sales, sales tabloids on that too. Ex- exactly. And where we, where, what we do is we forget that generally we all just get along and things are getting much better. Um, yes. That's that's what I try and concentrate on. Like we, I mean, everybody. If you if you look at it, like everybody's different, but everybody's the same. Mm. We we all go to work. We all have families. We all we all have the stresses of day to day life. We all mm. have the worries that everybody else has. I mean, we have different opinions on some things. Like me and you have different opinions on some things. Yeah, it doesn't mean that we can't sit down and have a conversation. And if one of us leaves still believe in what we believe, but having seen at least the other person's point of view, mm. then, then that's what it is because there may be next time there's a situation or, or, an, or a discussion or some discourse to be had, then, then, then you would, ha- you would think like maybe, Oh, what about that point of view? And, mm. and that, that's how people are educated. That's mm. how, that's how I'm educated. Like I, I've spoken to into, like I, I get to speak to a lot of, I'm in a fortunate position where I get to speak to lots of wonderful people who, know a lot more about a lot more things than I do. I'm, I'm just a regular guy. I'm not educated to any particular level, but I do study things and I, and I study facts and I research stuff. And I think that it gives me the ability to be able to look at things and speak about things. But then at the same token, you can look at that, but then you can still take other people's opinions. into. And it's not, I think I'll describe it as a facts over feelings thing. It's not. 
Mm. It's a, it's not that. It's trying to incorporate people's feelings into those facts and, mm. and how you can make it work. And the, one of the most polarizing topics is the sexism one because nobody, well, some people, but like I want equality just as much as everybody, every other normal, decent human being does. Yeah. Like the equality that we would all have in terms of race, in terms of sexuality, in terms of gender, whatever, yeah. whatever it may be. Mm. Um, but again, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's race or like the, the way to cure racism is not to shout that everybody's racist. Like it's to educate people about your point of view and, and how you're, you're, you see the world from your point of view, because you can't speak for a group of people the same way that I can't speak for all men and I definitely can't speak for all women. I can give my point of view and I can read stats and I can do all these things, but the, 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 I've bleated on about it, but the, the way to, the way to solve these problems for me is through education rather than mm, for sure that everybody seems to shout nowadays, but it's like, I'm probably guilty of it myself on some notions, but it's the same. It's the same for everybody. Everybody's going to care about certain issues more than they care about other ones. Just the, just the way the world is, but half of the battle is, I think, is just being open to to what people think and what people see, and recognizing, like you say, that the destination is the same. Exactly that. Like the, the most important thing is that you're all heading in the right mm. direction, mm. but you might take different ways to get there. But as long as you're as long as you're not harming the cause, for instance, like if I thought that the things that I said about sexism in the workplace and all of these sort of things were were genuinely harming the cause, then I wouldn't say them. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't think that. Like, I would never intentionally. Well, number one, I would never, never sexually discriminate against somebody, or racially, or based on sexuality. I just wouldn't do that. Mm. It's not in me to do that. Now I know that that's not saying that other people don't, and there's not these problems in the world. But I can only speak for me, mm. and the same as you can only speak for you. And like you say, as long as the destination is the same, and I'm not doing anything to harm there, then it's. I think it's always good to start a conversation. Definitely. And perhaps, you know, this is, um, we can talk, I've loved talking to you, perhaps we can talk about some other things um, again, you know, just um, anything that's interesting you, anything that you're seeing out there on um, LinkedIn, I'd love to be able to um, hear your views and talk about it again in the future for sure. 100%. What, um, just before we wrap up, what else is there? Is there anything... um, you want to highlight about things you've got going going on? Yes, so um, I've got a charity ball in August. Um, I'm going to conf- so basically, I've had a I've had a debate whether it should be in London or in the Midlands because obviously I have quite a big following up north. So I would like, obviously, maybe London's too far out of the way for some of those people. So maybe looking at the Midlands, but yeah, it's on the it's on the 23rd of August. Um, which is a Friday. Um, I'll confirm the venue soon. It's going to be a black tie event. Um, there's, there's an award show based on LinkedIn, so it'll be there'll be a post of the year award, sort of charity contributor of the year award, um, lifetime achievement award for me, um, <laughs> <laughs> national treasure status yeah, award, a golden presented by Trevor McDonald. But no, um, there, yes, there'll be an award show. There'll be a silent auction to raise money. There'll be a magician. There'll be all sorts of stuff going on. Um, so I will have more details. That's all I'm trying to do at the moment. I'm in talks with a couple of charities. Now, I, I'm in a position with Shelter at the moment where I don't know 
where that's going to go. So I don't know if it's going to be for shelter or it's going to be for a different foundation, but I'm going to let people know as soon as I know. And then, yeah, get that organised. I'm really excited about that. Hope to see about three to 400 people there, all raising money for a good cause, having fun, and get to spend the evening with me. What could be more exciting than <laughs> Exactly. Exactly that. I know that you're going. I'm going, for sure. And now I know that you only live 30 miles up the road, you can drive me as well. So that's... <laughs> oh, great. It gets I'll, better. I'll sit in the back, though, if that's all right with sunglasses on. Yeah, no problem. I wear a little hat. Yeah, that's fine. So, so that's happening. Yeah, so I expect all the movers and shakers to be there, and it should be a really good, fun event. And so it's kind of the first. I mean, I've done a few endurance stuff for charity now, I've done fundraising that one. It's the first sort of event that I would have put on myself so it's it's a it's yeah it's pretty cool i'm getting a lot of help from a lot of cool people with that so should be a really good evening um and even if it's not i'll make a joke out of it so it's fun anyway (laughs) and yeah i'm out with that and so people um should what look out just on your um yeah look out on linkedin i mean i I will set up a um i will set up some more information for it so i just want to what i don't like doing now after the reported walk last year is confirming stuff before it's confirmed you know, so I've got the date. I've got some things booked in with it. I just need the venue to. We're basically it's a choice of three venues at the moment. So once that's once that's done, then I'll have more information. But like I say, if you, I mean, if you've got some followers that that don't follow me, by all means, give us a follow. I mean, I'm nearly. It's going to sound horrendously arrogant. I'm nearly at the 30k limit now for followers, uh, for connections. But you can always follow. Um, I try and have fun on there. I mean, some people don't like my LinkedIn a lot. So yeah, I say I'll always I'll always sort of try and make time for people. And like I say, the, the, the message as always is if if anybody out there is struggling or maybe not struggling, just needs to talk, then literally my inbox is always open. I'll always get back to you as quick as I can. And yeah, I do listen. And I'll just end uh two things. Firstly, sorry the recording broke out halfway through. I'm gonna as you know I'm doing this um is a kind of it's a labor of love so i'm finding my way but you didn't miss anything we we jumped straight back in um and secondly most importantly is just to thank you nick for um not just the national treasure status but the 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 trip that you did and raising money and awareness for something that um we maybe we talk about more about homelessness next time we talk because we we shouldn't see that in our society so you going through hell and back um i just want to say thanks and well done for that. Thanks for your LinkedIn and just being being you um, and and coming on. I've really enjoyed today, so thanks very much. Very kind. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No worries. See you soon, mate. Take care, mate. See you. Bye.